All right, hold on. Before we get going, Matt Reeves, director of the Batman Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Matt yes, Smith, yes, yes. actor in Last Night in Soho. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because I did <laughs> conflate the two a couple times when discussing the movie after we went to it together on Thursday. Well, there was uh, there was a period before we saw the movie um, where <laughs> Jimmy was, I think I mentioned that Matt Smith was in it, and then Jimmy was talking, and he said Matt Reeves, and I just kind of let it slide. But then he did it like two or three more times over the course of the night. I'm like, all right, Jimmy, and every time I corrected him, he'd still get it wrong. Yes, I'm just very <laughs> excited for the Batman. Yeah, all right, March cannot come soon enough. Agreed. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows, in addition to kind of whatever, but mainly we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Uthi. We're always so friendly to the listeners. It's always welcome. Why isn't it like, where have you been for the last week? <laughs> Seriously? Finally? Yeah, what the heck? Let's go. Why? Are you listening to this in 2027? <laughs> What's the deal? Why'd you skip an episode? Like, <laughs> why'd yeah. you do that? Um, yeah, where's your five-star iTunes review, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll find you. <laughs> We've got a great episode for you this week featuring our review of Last Night in Soho. Apparently the right film. Yeah, apparently that exists in London and New York. Yeah. I, I Yeah, up until we saw the movie, I just assumed it meant Soho in New York. I did not know Soho was also a neighborhood in London. So, the more you know. The more you know. That one movie podcast. First, Jimmy, we've got to do the Toms. I'm so excited to talk about everyone named Tom, which I believe is what we do during the Tom segment. That's exactly what we do. Tom's is a rapid-fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. Sometimes, I think starting now, we have to rank a Tom on a scale of Toms. So Tom Brady, (laughs) I'm going to give him uh, Bergeron because he's good at football, but I don't really like him. Uh, I'm also going to give him a Bergeron because I don't watch football, so. Yeah. (laughs) No opinion. Uh, We can get into the trailers first. First off, we have the Lightyear trailer, the new uh, Pixar film that supposedly focuses on the the person who inspired the Buzz Lightyear figure, I guess. It's kind of confusing. I'm not entirely clear how that works out. That's I think when they announced it, that's how they described it. Um, Chris Evans voices this guy. Um, and I just got to say, this trailer has turned into a bit of a meme because the the moment where you first see Buzz without his like helmet and everything and he has hair, he just looks so goofy. <laughs> He's got yeah. like a big head. He looks like an Easter Island head with hair. <laughs> you know that's a look Holden it's an animated feature he's exaggerated yeah right? he is, he is. settle down <laughs> what do you think uh, I have a a theory 
okay. uh, or a hypothesis uh, that uh, Pixar wanted to make a new IP uh, mm-hmm. or wanted to make a film something space related. But the way their, I believe their contract with Disney is set up or part of the purchase agreement or something is over a certain amount of time they had to have a certain, they got to make a, a number of, I think it was like 50% could be brand new IPs, 50% had to be sequels or spinoffs okay. or something like that. And yeah. my theory is they wanted to make some, my theory is that they don't really want to make sequels and spinoffs, but they're like, <laughs> how can we turn this so that it is a spinoff so they're making the movie they want to make and it's just like oh it happens to be buzz lightyear i guess yeah uh i can see that because this i mean this feels i i guess take this with a hint of salt because you had like the cars 3 trailer which was serious and i I mean it turned out not to be a serious movie i guess but this feels pretty serious it feels like a, a big space epic um i weirdly enough i don't know if you got this i got like ad astro vibes a little bit definitely um and i don't i I don't think it's gonna actually be like that i think this is more of their marketing trying to make this seem like a more unique film we'll see how it actually is but it seems more it seems more adult yeah it does i mean Uh, there's some there's some humor there's a little humor in the trailer and i mean it's still animated there's still some cartoony designs but yeah so i mean i just think that's that's my theory they're trying pixar's trying to appease the disney overlords mm-hmm. bob chapik and john favreau is still in a cage somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, no i uh, that's a good theory I, I might i think i'm gonna agree with you on that uh because i'm pretty sure that is how the the whatever the agreement between Pixar and Disney is. Uh, I I mean, it's a teaser trailer, so we don't really have a sense for the actual story or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I will say it looks gorgeous. I mean, the animation, the way the light interacts, the way they m- mimicked the look of a anamorphic lens is phenomenal. Just the way the colors pop. Um, again, the lighting, everything about that. The kind of atmosphere, it feels very based it feels like kind of a gritty realism sure to it i i like the production design aspect of it so i visually it's very appealing to me big head and all (laughs) um i mean throwing a little david bowie into the trailer doesn't hurt um uh so i'm i'm interested to see it because you know a pixar ad astra thing would be interesting uh, i don't I, I think the consensus is like what is this why is that right yeah yeah i agree with that so i'm gonna give it a bergeron yeah bergeron for me too we'll see when more stuff comes out about it i think this is like june july of next year i'm not sure if it gave a date in the trailer but i think currently it's supposed to be coming out around i think then. it was yeah june or july 2022 it does because they're like to infinity and and then it just cuts to the date oh okay it's like june or july 2022 <laughs> i guess i just didn't make note of that okay cool you were probably thinking beyond in your head rather than reading the the, the title that's true that's true. Every time I watched this trailer, I I had to say beyond at the end. It was just not satisfying otherwise. Do you read the st- like titles in a trailer or do you like tune them out? Like the like what do you mean? Like it's like, you know, 
the, like this summer and then it's like oh every yeah. generation like do you read those or like no. i feel like i i read them the first time maybe and then every time i watch the trailer subsequent times i tune them out unless it's done in something in like an interesting fashion or it says something unique it's usually just like the most generic like <laughs> i don't know it's it's usually just inconsequential and it's just there to get hype i guess i don't know if anyone really pays attention to those um but i it's just a, a little uh, i was just curious holden all right enough mm-hmm. light year talk all right <laughs> let's move on okay uh, then this next trailer is for the uh, the full the full trailer for the Cowboy Bebop live action show. Um, Jimmy hasn't seen the original anime, but I wanted him to check it out just because I wanted to see what he thought as someone who was not familiar with it. Um, I have seen the whole show before, and I'm currently rewatching it. Um, what what do you think, Jimmy? Uh, I think it looks expensive, and I think it looks. Uh, decent. I don't think it looks bad. I, I, from when I gather from looking at the comment section, is that it just doesn't look like the anime. It doesn't feel like the anime. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think it looks bad. I just think it it looks like it could be good, and it looks expensive. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not someone who holds that original series to like a gold standard like everyone else does. I mean it's it is very very good, but I I'm not like think I don't think this is an impossible feat. I think the trailer's pretty entertaining. I mean it it uses a lot of the music from the original series. Um I I like some of the designs the the way they adapted the character designs of them. It's got the corgi in it. Got a level corgi. Um but yeah, I mean it it looks it looks like it won't just be a one for one adaptation. It'll take some liberties. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I'm going Yeah, I'm going to go Bergeron. Yeah, I'll I'll actually give it a brokaw from my angle just because it looks better than I would expect. But okay, enough trailer talk. Next we have um the big news of the week, the biggest thing um, that we were talking about last week, but it was confirmed this week that Dune 2 is officially confirmed. Thank goodness. Dune Part 2, I guess. Um, I mean, you were you were pretty confident last week. I was I had been a pessimist about it, but I'm still very I've I've never been more happy to be wrong. <laughs> um Dune 2, uh, it's coming in October 2023. Um, so two years away from now, ideally, uh, and it, it's very likely it will make that time frame because uh, Denis Villeneuve expressed his desire this week to try to get it out there as soon as possible because he's like, well, I got the first part out there. I want more people to enjoy the whole the whole story as opposed to just having the one half. Um, but he also, in talking this week, week, expressed his desire to adapt the sequel book, Dune Messiah, um, which apparently D- Dune Messiah is like half the size of the original book. So he's thinking that would be like a third part or something. Yeah. I so. mean, good news on all fronts. Mm-hmm. I'm a little skeptical. They're going to hit the October, 2023 date. I mean, I know there are reports that Villeneuve is just ready to go, but I mean, actors have schedules. 
yeah, and you have a lot of A-list thing. actors. So good luck with that. Um, I would love it by October 2023. I think that's a great time. I think we are likely going to see it in 2024. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, part two, obviously a Brokaw. I another conspiracy theory here for you, Holden. I okay. think this is. I think part two was all but confirmed for several months, and I think. Oh uh, yeah. Warner Brothers was like, uh, oh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see how it does um, to, to well, get people to um, push others like us to get people to go to this movie so it does well. I'm pretty sure in one of those interviews I was referencing um, that Denis Villeneuve gave, he said that it was pretty much always going to happen unless the box office was just disastrous. If it was just like, or 10 million opening week <laughs> like i don't know something extremely low like no one went and saw it yeah and i mean but, from what it sounds like it seems like villeneuve has been gearing up to make part two anyway so yeah. again i think they're just limited by the schedules of their actors at this yeah. point uh but uh sequel a third part would certainly be great i mean um i from what i understand it takes place like a dozen years later or so so mm-hmm. i don't know if this will be the niv will keep going in this world immediately after that if he'll take a little bit of a break revisit it um you know yeah, 10 years mind. down the line that's another yeah, I option find an actual time gap that'd be cool um but uh you know we have not read dune so mm-hmm. we can't really speak for two the best way about going uh, best way to go about that but uh you know more dune movies i certainly liked the first one quite a bit i want to see more of the world so yeah i would be totally totally satisfied with that so brokaw's all around holden yeah brokaw um this was uh pretty funny when i saw this so the batgirl movie um cast its villain uh the villain is apparently going to be firefly but he's going to be played by brendan frazier (laughs) (laughs) interesting Um, yeah um i like i think brendan frazier i mean he seems like a very nice guy i like him and everything he's in even though most of the things he at least at the height of his career most of the things he was in were crap but he's always kind of an entertaining presence um i'd be interested to see him as a villain and firefly is not someone we've ever seen in in film before so basically just arkham origins and arkham uh knight are the two references i have for the firefly character so um, the arkham origins boss fight's pretty good it is he likes to light things on fire (laughs) seems pretty one-dimensional in in those games so we'll have to see how they flesh that out in the batgirl movie yes yeah this is hbo max yes okay um not my favorite villain i'm gonna go bergeron i'll give brokaw just because brendan fraser Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Um, so <laughs> I thought this was funny. Um, Bill Murray this week, um, he just like let slip that he's in a Marvel movie. Like he but he like didn't care. I <laughs> I have the quote here. Um technically it's an undisclosed Marvel movie, but it, this isn't actually the quote, but apparently it's like thought to be Ant-Man. Here's the quote. Um 
you know, recently I made a Marvel movie. I'm probably not supposed to tell you, but who cares? <laughs> in any case, some people were quite surprised why I decided on such a project. But for me, the thing was quite clear. I got to know the director and really liked him very much. He was funny, humble, everything you want from a director. And I've seen a couple of his previous movies, and I thought they were damn good. So I agreed, although I'm not interested in these huge comic book adaptations as an actor otherwise. Let's put it this way. The director is a good guy, and now I've at least tried out what it's like to shoot a Marvel movie. There you go. Uh, does Bill Murray care about anything anymore? That's a good question. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think he's just well, a guy. Like, yeah, sure. He seems a very much go with the flow type of guy to me. He's. I mean, he's been kind of um, hesitant, I guess, with being in franchise stuff because he was like one of the big people that kept like that held back like Ghostbusters two initially and from a third one from ever being made because he was like, oh, I made the one movie. That's good. Let's call it quits. I think he's kind of one of those people where he just kind of wants to move on and do his own thing. And and now he's selling out. Now he's selling out. Now he's in the new Ghostbusters again. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I will give that a Brokaw because he's a funny guy. Uh, he is. So I'm excited to see him be a funny guy in a Marvel movie. Yeah. Brokaw. I want to see him and Paul Rudd together. Might be a fun duo. It, um, well, I, Ghostbusters Afterlife got a movie for you, Olden, because they are both. Oh in that yeah, movie. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Completely forgot about that. Um, okay. Uh, then this. Uh, there's a couple of things regarding the a Quiet Place franchise that came out this week. First off, the new uh, spinoff film that was going to be directed by uh, director Jeff Nichols. Uh, he, he dropped out, and they're currently looking for a new director. Um, but I don't think they have anyone confirmed yet. A new director or a nude director? A, a new director. Or both. I mean, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Can't say for certain. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do, you, do you have any opinion on that? No, I do not have an opinion on that. Okay. The other thing, though, uh, this is probably more interesting. And I, it's more tog but I'm just going to lump it in here, is that uh, apparently a new Quiet Place game is in development. Um, it's going to be developed by Illogica, which from what I can tell is a fairly new studio, but it's made up of like industry veterans, uh, former Eidos Montreal employees, Ubisoft employees, and other pretty big game companies. Um, but their main thing right now is apparently they were a big help in developing Cuphead. So... Alrighty, that would what be interesting. That? That'd be interesting. I, I mean Bergeron, because I don't know. It'd be a lot of stealth. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was thinking. I guess if they had gotten like the alien isolation people to do it, that would be so cool. But I guess that's Sega. Sega probably doesn't have the rights or whatever. But if you go in something in that vein, like Alien Isolation was so cool, and it captured the atmosphere of those movies just perfectly. So. Yeah. Alrighty. What else do we got holding? Yeah. Um, so that Wolfman movie, which we talked about probably a year ago, I think, uh, that Ryan Gosling is going to be starring in. Uh, it's apparently going to be directed by, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, uh, Derek Cianfr- Cianfrance? Cianfrance? I don't know how to say that last name at all. 
Um, but anyway, he has previously worked with Ryan Gosling on the movies Blue Valentine and The Place Beyond the Pines, which I haven't seen either. I've wanted to see oh, Place yeah. Beyond the Pines, but Place Beyond um, the Pines, aka just really sad, sad time. Be have sad. you seen it? Yeah. <laughs> It might be the saddest movie I've ever seen. Just okay. Maybe you were the one who was telling me about it. I, I remember having that conversation with someone. It's not like cry sad. It's just like an atmosphere of depression. Okay. Suffocating you. I have heard Blue Valentine is not much different from that. So maybe we'll be getting a very sad Wolfman movie. <laughs> oh, I think he also directed that um, that Mark Ruffalo HBO series recently that was supposedly really good that I never saw. I can't remember what it was called. But I'm a wolf and a man, but I do neither of them very well. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Holden's distracted by something going on. Yeah, Kale's sneaking by. <laughs> Getting ready for the A Quiet Place game. No, Kale, Jimmy just saw that I was distracted on Skype, so that was what it was. You weren't making noise. <laughs> Thank you, Kale, for your guest appearance on the podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the, uh, I guess, do you have, what, what do you rate that? <laughs> what was the news? It was the Wolfman thing. <laughs> what, what about it? There's a Wolfman movie. The director. What, it, what about him? Oh, he was. He's confirmed. Confirmed. He got a director attached. I didn't know he was Lutheran. You didn't know what? You said he was confirmed, and I said I didn't know he was oh, looking. Maybe gosh. he's Catholic. Just it's give give a give your religious religious humor. <laughs> I do not have an opinion. I mean, I guess sad time, sad movie. Good. I'll give it a Bombadil, Broca. I'll give it a Broca too. I give it all three simultaneously. No, okay. So uh, then. It was confirmed this week that uh, the new South Park special is coming out in November. I actually think this might have been something for last week that I just completely forgot to bring up. But um, the new South Park special is going to be called South Park Post-COVID. Um, I think it's going to be in the vein of the last couple we've gotten. But it's going to be a, it's going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive. on, And it's coming out Thursday, November 25th. So I guess I'm going to get a free trial of paramount plus <laughs> i really don't want to get it but i mean i like paramount plus it's got a lot of good stuff on there um mm-hmm. it's, it's i just cheap. i just don't want another streaming service yeah I don't, I don't either because it's like i gotta remember to cancel this mm-hmm. uh yeah which i gotta cancel hbo soon or, or watch something on it <laughs> um uh, I mean, I was thinking it's about time we get a new one, but I forgot that they have this deal. So I, it was nice when they just went to HBO. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this. Uh, I liked the pandemic special. I did not really like the vaccination special. So I hope we have a return to form. I liked both. Um, but then in addition to this, um, Matt Parker and Trey Stone clarified that 14 movie deal thing from before. And they said they basically like threw Viacom under the bus and they're like, yeah, Viacom ju- jumped the gun a bit on that announcement. <laughs> and that those those uh, movies are indeed going to be more like hour long specials they're making. Yeah, I think okay. it was I think it was. Uh, I think it was Trey Parker that said. 
that I, he said something like, I've made three movies in my entire life. How do you think I'm going to get 14 done in seven years? <laughs> <laughs> something like that, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, but it sounds like we're going to be getting Paramount Plus from time to time, Holden. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, and a full season's coming out next year. But yeah, I yes. I, I might... I guess since I'm like mooching off of my parents' streaming services, maybe I'll just pay for this one. <laughs> or we could just share one, Holden. We could share one, yeah. There we go. Sharing is caring. Yeah. I mean, we will... Caring. Excuse me. Our official statement is that we each bought our own. Yes, of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, I'll give that this, a Brokaw. Yeah, I'll give yeah all of that to Brokaw. And then the last piece I have is just like inconsequential, but... um. Apparently, the Army of the Dead sequel will be called Planet of the Dead. Okay. <sighs> Alrighty. <laughs> um, Apparently, that spinoff movie that came out this week is not uh, is also not good. So that came out this week. I thought that came out like a month ago. No, I, it was like the last weekend of October. Did so they even have weekend. zombies in it? No, it's like a prequel thing. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to watch it unless I'm just just hankering for more of that Army of the Dead universe, which which I doubt I am. Uh, did Zack Snyder make it? No. No, it's someone else. It might have actually been directed by the guy who, like the Dieter guy who stars in it too. Okay. It, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. That Planet of the Dead. Sure. Whatever. Very sure. It'll happen. Maybe we'll watch it. Uh, that's the that's the news, whole huh? Yep, that's it. I aside from that, apparently that Guardians of the Galaxy game is good. Yeah, which is surprising because it didn't it didn't look that good. I mean, it looked okay, but I was like very cautious. I still think I'm gonna wait for a pretty deep sale on that one. Yeah, I'll probably wait on it too. Uh, no I desire to play it right now. Yeah, no, I, I don't either. So that's all we got, Holden. Let's talk about last night in Soho, the one in London. Yes. Okay, last night in Soho um, is the new movie by Edgar Wright who is, I think, officially my favorite director. I I think all the rest of his movies in my book are nines and tens, really. Like, I don't really have a problem with his previous filmography much at all. Um, so this was my most anticipated movie of the year. You got this in Dune in subsequent weeks. This was just Christmas for me. I was so excited. Um, but... It stars Thomas and Mackenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith. Um, not Matt Reeves. Not Matt Reeves. <laughs> um, the lady who played Olena Tyre. Diana, Diana Rossi? something. Rossi? That just came to my head. Is that right? No, it's Diana. like Riggs or something like that. Oh, I'm going to look it up, Holden. Okay. All right. I should have had that name ready, but whatever. Um, anyway, this one is like a kind of... De- Departure for Edgar Wright because all of the rest of his movies have been like action comedies or like satire on certain genres and this is pretty much through and through a psychological thriller it's billed as a psychological horror but to me it's more of a thriller I guess it's just because it's not very scary <laughs> but, Diana um, Rigg Rig. it's Rig. okay Diana yeah. Rig. Um, 
But yeah, um, I guess you want to give the synopsis. You're always better at that. So, uh, well, here's the one on Google. It just says, an aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s, where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. However, the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something Mm. far darker. Like, that's good. Thomas McKenzie plays the main character. She sounds like a mouse. (laughs) Okay, so I you, we made a joke that Thomas and Mackenzie it like gives off similar vibes to Tom Holland, like she's a female Tom Holland in in just the way I guess she she acts, but she's actually New Zealand, so we need to like make that in a New Zealand accent. Hello there, I'm Thomas and Mackenzie. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, anyway, um, I liked this movie. Um, it wasn't fantastic it's definitely my least favorite edgar wright movie um but as a movie itself i think it's it's good there are elements of this movie that i really like uh Mm -hmm. but most of it i think is fine uh and there's parts where it is tiresome i think you hit it on the head after after seeing this movie kind of debriefed uh and you said that i kind of talked about it was tiresome and you said that yeah that kind of that third quarter of the movie uh Mm -hmm. kind of felt repetitive seemed meandering didn't really seem to go anywhere and yeah i think (laughs) it's just thomas and mckenzie running from things yeah and and screaming a lot and feeling generally just acting like a crazy person (laughs) um that i just got tired of that um it yeah because a lot of the reviews I had seen are like, oh, the second half is worse than the first half, which it is true, but I actually, like, the last quarter, I think, is is good. I think it's fine. I, the way it ends is is decent. Um, but it's just that third quarter that really slows it down and is repetitive, as you said, and it overall just doesn't live up to what was built up by that first half. No, and, and, and so the the thing I really liked, my favorite aspect of this movie is when Thomas and Mackenzie's character starts entering the past, and her name's Ellie Louisa or something like that. Eloise? Eloise, Eloise something. She goes by Ellie. Um, yeah. She starts going into the past, and she starts encountering Anya Taylor-Joy's character, which actually takes place farther into the movie than I would have expected. There's a lot more exposition. Um, not necessarily bad, just unexpected stuff happening before that plot, before kind yeah. of the inciting incident of the movie, which is interesting. Um, yeah, and, it, it probably takes 20 minutes or so before it gets to that point. Uh, but the way they did, they they shot that and edited this parallelism of how she's experiencing this kind of in the character, but she's kind of also the third person mm-hmm. seeing it uh, in that perspective. And they use a lot of like mirrors and reflections to kind of showcase that. It was very, very well done from a, yeah. a visual effects standpoint um, and a storytelling standpoint. I there's a lot of there, there's a lot of it where I just it's it's impressive to me that I. 
as someone who isn't familiar with like this use of effects and everything, I don't even know how they did some of it. Yeah, especially with the reflections, it would have been pretty complicated. I would like to see the behind the scenes of how they did that. That was far and away my favorite part of it, mm-hmm. getting to first kind of experience this 1960s Soho district of, of a, uh, London and the character of London in this movie. You know, it's that trope of the, the <laughs> setting is a character. That is certainly a thing here. And it's referenced by characters in this movie that, hey, London, it changes over time, but part of it's still the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I there's, I mean won't get into it too much but there's like a dance number where the in probably the first well it isn't the first half there's a dance number where i'm I'm just kind of confused how they filmed it well i can have an idea of how they like you can see where the edits happen and you kind of expect them to happen but they basically swap out anya taylor joy and thomas and mckenzie in this dance sequence and it's very seamless like you can tell where some of the cuts are but it the way it plays out is is fantastic. There, well, yeah, there's there was one or two though where it's just like fully in frame, like Anya Taylor Joy will spin, and then all of a sudden she's Thomas and Mackenzie, and I'm like, how the heck do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes you like an object will move in front of the camera or something, and that's obviously where they edit it, but or someone will move off off screen. But there's a couple things where I'm like, geez, cool stuff. Uh, but again, that is the strength of this movie for me. Uh, Thomas and Mackenzie's character is likable, but you get that it's very much of, oh, I'm the way I'm acting right now is insane and everybody is going to view me as insane, mm-hmm. but I just need someone to believe me. And it's kind of that trope that yeah. we've seen just a million times i i just that that one just makes me like okay i've seen this before it seems that's just a tired trope for me anyway i felt like she got quite a bit of characterization in like the first quarter or so Mm -hmm. and then it just kind of relied off of that established characterization for the rest of the movie i feel like it just didn't go much of anywhere with her character and it is like a very relatable experience you're coming you know she's going to college and it's you know you meeting all these new people you're trying to reestablish your identity what do you want to change and mm-hmm. she's in this fashion school so she's you know her roommate's a snob and <laughs> jocasta um, oh, yeah jocasta and just like trying to fit in with your peers but also trying to be the person you want to be and and create your identity um so i thought that part was relatable but yeah it didn't i don't know it it i didn't feel like i just was tired of like the the trope of oh i'm everybody thinks i'm insane pity me rather than like or or you know you could seek help <laughs> and try <laughs> yeah, not to true. be insane uh rather than just oh i'm insane let me act like an insane person i also um even though I thought like the snobby um, fashion people were pretty funny. Like I thought they probably like they, they had some of the better jokes just cause it was like critiquing that just that, I guess like je- like zillennial mentality of like, in like snobbishness. I think it's really fun. There was that whole um, so brave line. That's yeah. really funny. 
Um, but I, they're just they're like unrealistically mean. They're so they're yes. just they the roommate at first is like okay or whatever. Like she's obviously snobby, but then she just becomes mean for no reason. And later on, I mean, I get it. Like she starts acting crazy and and whatever. Then it would make more sense. But like this is before she starts acting crazy, and the roommate's just a jerk. <laughs> And then no uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have someone who is literally the most kind, patient person of any movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the most patient movie character of all time. Uh, so, yeah, I. it's just this movie is is something that just is not going to have any staring, staying power in my brain. It has this really cool sequences where she goes back into the 60s but the whole mystery horror element of it, I just didn't find that interesting. Is the yeah. like, is the whole problem of it? I think it goes in pretty predictable directions. Well, especially without spoiling anything, just I guess the way they, I mean, they don't really explain too well the the whole going back in time thing. But I mean, the way you're supposed to interpret it, I feel like is just. A lot of movies have done that before. <laughs> it's not it's not incredibly unique. I don't know. Um, I guess the other thing I really liked about the movie was the performances. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Thomas and Mackenzie was good. Even if even if she does talk like this all the time, I'm Thomas and Mackenzie. <laughs> uh, and Anya Taylor Joy, of course, was great. Matt Smith was good in the role he was in uh but of course diana rigg was phenomenal uh yeah again i mean she was all... my favorite performance of the movie i think still she just has such a presence on screen and mm-hmm. uh for this to be her final role i think it's fitting uh yeah she's just an awesome actor pretty good one. yeah i mean um she was elena tyrell in game of thrones which is where we most know her from i think she was I was looking it up. I think she was in a James Bond movie, actually, at one point. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, uh, she was fantastic. All the, yeah, as you said, all of the acting in it is pretty good. Um, I like Matt Smith as a villain. I just think he has a, a very a sinister f- face. Um, but, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, uh, what else do we want to talk about non-spoiler-wise here? Um, like his other movies, Edgar Wright has a pretty good um, track record of using licensed songs. I think the licensed songs in this are, are pretty fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they're all They all fit what the scene is supposed to be going for. I mean, sometimes the lyrics will be going along with what we're supposed to be feeling or whatever. Um, it's not as on the nose as something like Suicide Squad, the original Suicide Squad, but it's kind of like James Gunn and the way he does it. I think they're both very good at using licensed music in their in their films. Yes, I would agree. Um, but yeah, I think just the whole aesthetic of 60s London, they capture pretty well. I like... Um, when they're outside and just the bright lights and everything, I I guess going with lighting, I kind of liked the um, the like heavy reds and blues a lot. I, they did it a lot in this movie where a shot would just be in red or a shot would just be in blue lighting, and I thought that was that made it stand out a little bit. Yeah, no, I I liked that too. Um, 
Yeah, I just guess for me, it just I wasn't the the plot and the mystery of it didn't grip me as as much as I think Edgar Wright had wanted it to grip me. Yeah, it's it's a movie that stands by on its own mostly by the technical achievements because in that in on that side of things I think it's pretty close to flawless but it's just kind of the story and not even necessarily like the dial like I think the dialogue is good Edgar Wright is good at that but it's yeah the story is kind of meh and the way <laughs> well old and I both noticed this but at the very beginning of the movie <laughs> there is this like happy scream that happens and it yeah. is just like it's like someone just turned down the volume not volume not for a second yeah that's like one of the few flaws in the sound is just (laughs) thomas and mckenzie having this happy scream literally within the first couple minutes of the movie cheering for joy and it's just so much quieter than it should be i honestly when that happened i was like is there like a problem with the audio system in here i was worried that like you're gonna have more issues like that through the rest of the movie but that was the only instance i caught yeah so uh what a what a weird it just pulled both of us out of the movie it was like why was that scream so much quieter than everything else but uh yeah anything else to say non-spoiler wise hold on i think i've exhausted all i've wanted to say yeah um i guess now that i was thinking about that beginning i did like the op- the way it opened with that like her dancing and initially it was just like all black but with the doorway the light coming in from the doorway i thought that mm-hmm. was a pretty cool way but um yeah, I think that's that's it. We can give our ratings. Yeah, I'm going to go 7.2 because it <laughs> It's not a 7.5, it's not a 7. 7.2. Okay. Um I think I'll go 7 and a half. Yeah. We're we're on similar boats. It's good, it's not great. I don't think I'm going to watch it again. It has some cool stuff. I want to see how they did it. That's where I stand. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Alrighty, go well watch uh, Edgar Wright's other stuff, and then this one if you really want the greater good. Uh, let's talk about spoilers. Okay, on to spoilers. So, so Holden, you're just gonna jump into the big, the big one, huh? Okay. <laughs> classic me i'll just i'll just jump right in so um the big the big twist at the end is the reveal that um olena tyrell diana rigg um turns out that she was anya taylor joy in the past or the the same character is a better way of putting it i guess um and that is pretty pretty good odds that was going to be the case i think the whole yeah movie. i'm like hmm, I kinda, well i kind of was hoping that wasn't it like I, that was my gut reaction and then i was like no i feel like this movie's will pr- be too clever for that but then it wasn't <laughs> i guess yeah what if it was just the old creepy guy and <laughs> <laughs> up um, being anya taylor joy yeah <laughs> um yeah, and so it was pretty obvious. Um, I think it, my problem with Anya Taylor Joy's character in this movie is I feel like we just don't know enough about her. Like even even when she's old, like all we know about her is that 
she wants to be like a star. She wants to be a singer or whatever and be a, a big person on the stage, a famous lounge singer or whatever. Um, but that's like all we know. That's like her, I mean, that is, that's a good motivation, but we don't know like anything about her past. We don't know where she comes from really. She just kind of shows up and She's, that's that. Well, neither does Thomas and Mackenzie's character to be fair. So we are seeing it through Thomas and Mackenzie, Eloisa, whatever her name is, last name. Uh, we are seeing it through her perspective. So it does make sense there that we don't know that much about her um, and continue to not know that much about her. But she's confident. She wants to be a performer. And like you said, that's kind of all we get. And then then it's just like a commentary of 60s men and and the show business were very manipulative and yeah gross and <laughs> I, uh, horrifying I mentioned, it, <laughs> I mentioned it to you afterwards i'm like the horror from this is like the same horror that's derived from mad men <laughs> just it's like it's just creepy men in the 60s doing creepy things and i'm like i like the james bond foreshadowing of the thunderbird or whatever the the movie on the uh Oh, what should I call it? What do you call the Thunderball? Uh, the- Thunderball. But what do you call the? Um, it's like a marquee. Marquee. Yeah, that was what yeah. I was looking for. Uh, yeah, Sorry, on the, the marquee. Doorbell keeps ringing. I don't know if you can hear it. I don't know. I think it, I don't know if it's trick or treaters or what. Um, probably. <laughs> We're recording this on Halloween. So. Or yeah, Happy Halloween, Holden. Happy Halloween. A special spooky episode for you all. Um, but. Uh, what was I saying now? It's on the marquee, yeah. Thunderball. Uh, how James Bond could also be a creepy 60s guy who yeah, took advantage yeah. of women. So good foreshadowing there. <laughs> um, yeah. And Matt Smith appears to be this good guy, and he's just not. So Yeah, I think it's pretty apparent that he's not going to be a good guy. Because Matt <laughs> Smith doesn't usually play good guys. Yeah, it's, I mean, as I keep mentioning, he just has that face where, unless he's in the context of Doctor Who, when he was the Doctor, and a very heroic figure, obviously, but otherwise he just has this, like, menacing, snide-looking face. And he's going to be in House of the Dragon, so there's that. Yeah, and Morbius. And Morbius. (laughs) Who is he in Morbius? I think he's the villain. Wow, shocker. Yeah, what a shocker. Um, so, yeah, so he doesn't turn out to be a guy. Anya Taylor-Joy's in this bad situation, and all of a sudden you get this random scene with this random cop who is, like, her way out, but she rejects him, and then it's like, oh, who's this other mysterious old man? Well, yeah, because it's in, like, the middle of a montage of like all of these other like bad things happening to her and then all of a sudden the montage slows down to make note of this character so you're like oh yeah this guy's going to be someone important i actually even though i'm like thought that i didn't pick up that he was going to be the old guy i didn't i obviously i did not think the old guy was going to be matt smith because that would be way too obvious and as i told you the old guy just is so hilariously sinister (laughs) he just says like the creepiest things and it's so obviously a red herring like there's no way you would introduce this guy and have him act this way this early in the movie 
if that well, was you're supposed be to think you're supposed to think it's Matt Smith. Yeah. So that's why it's you know it's not him. It's but it's yeah, like so it's, obviously it's, supposed to be him. If they had been more subtle about it, it would have been more okay. I mean, a little bit of mystery here, but it's just he's like I know all the girls in town. Like he's he's just creepy and. <laughs> very, very and he says that because he's he's a cop and and former cop and he's been around the block uh, but yeah and he's still is probably creepy he is yeah still he probably creepy is creepy, 60s guy he's he's not matt smith creepy i guess he's at least trying to improve the situation yeah 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 but still creepy um yeah and then they don't say his name as Jack. Like, I was waiting for her to call him Jack, and then she just doesn't. Yeah, so I'm he's like, never referred to as Jack. So you're like, oh, there we go. And then they're like, oh, Lindsay. Poor Lindsay gets hit by a car. <laughs> Everybody well, just walks was... into the middle of the street. Everybody that... just walks in the middle of the street in this movie. I'm like, you can't just walk into the middle of the streets. Like, people don't do that in real life. It's a movie trope that I'm getting sick of. That name drop was funny too because it just it was like he gets hit by the car and then immediately and that was like when we found out that it wasn't supposed to be Matt Smith and then immediately the bartender comes out it's like oh no Len- Lindsay and it's just like hammering home that it's not Matt Smith and then she's like wait that guy's name is not Jack she's like, no it's Lindsay no, it's Lindsay Lindsay. That is not the same it? character as Matt Smith's <laughs> character. His name is Lindsay. Therefore, they are not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huge plot twist. Uh, he just gets hit by a car and dies. So. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like, why does that even matter, though? Like, cause it doesn't. It, it does. There's no consequence. It's just like, oh, well. Jack He's is dead now. Just gone. Do we ever know what happens to Jack? No, she kills Jack. Yeah, she character. kills Jack, which is part of that tw- that big twist. Um, I I didn't mind the the one twist I did like is that she killed all those guys. But then why does? Yeah. I'm just confused. That if everything else happens the way it happens, why does that happen differently in the flashback? You know what I'm saying? Like, everything else happens the way it happens. But then the scene where she apparently gets murdered by Jack is not true. Well, I don't think... I'm not sure that we do see her get killed. Oh, we? we definitely... She gets stabbed in the neck a bunch of times, and she's got blood everywhere. And then she sees, her like, a vision of her again with the blood. Because remember, she's... um she's uh working with the model at the fashion school and then she looks up and then it's the Anya Taylor Joy with all the blood over and then she freaks out and runs right well yeah but i i didn't did we see her actually get stabbed yes i thought it was just like like heavily alluding to it i mean it kind of tricked me cuz i was like oh okay but I thought it was just alluding to it. I didn't think we actually saw it. And then when obviously when there's the vision of her with the blood on her, that could just be Jack's blood. I see what you're saying. I could have sworn we saw her get stabbed in the neck. I Maybe. But it would have been more clever if it's just Jack's blood. Yeah. I, man, maybe. I could, I mean, if I could if, swear that. But maybe I'm thinking of Jack's thing and superimposing it in my brain on her. No, um, I mean, if, if you're right, then, I mean, 
then it is kind of weird that would happen, and I don't have a reason for that, but... Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I also... It's weird to me that, like... So she lives in that house, and then it's, like, implied... Or it's not implied, it's, like, shown that she hid all of those bodies, like, in the floorboards and stuff. Like, why isn't that place super stinky? <laughs> you have all these rotting corpses in the walls and in floors, and it's... It, I mean, it looks like she puts it on, like, the second floor, too, so it's not even like she's burying them in the ground or anything. I don't... <laughs> why is the place not very stinky, and how have people not figured this out already? And also, like... So, um, Eloise, fig- Ellie figures out that, um, the Miss, oh, what's her character's name in the, in the movie? Miss something. I can't remember. The the house, the housekeeper or whatever you want yeah. to call it. The landlord, Diana Riggs character. Old um, Sandy. Old Sandy. There you go. Uh, she, um, she just, like, she just assumes that Ellie is going to contact the authorities about her killing all these rapey 60s guys. Like, she doesn't give her the, like, she doesn't, like, explain herself at all. I guess she's like, oh, this happened to me, but you can't know this, so I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Sort of thing. You know what I'm um, saying? No, because she went to the cops because she was like, I'm... Or she had she had talked to the cops because she felt crazy and all of that, and then the cops came to the house. Yeah, and so and so Diana Rigg was like pissed because you know she didn't want the cops snooping around and finding these rotting corpses in the walls. So, so I think she I think she was just like Thomas and Mackenzie had kind of started this thing and she didn't want it to go any further so yeah so you know the easier way of going about that is hey don't say anything just tell them that, oh i'm crazy commit yourself or whatever or or say oh it's over it's past I, i'm not thinking these things anymore it was a delusion i took some sort of hallucinogen hallucinogen at a party now that i remember this this happened mm-hmm. and just say that because if you kill her well that's not mysterious at all <laughs> Like, that's true like, that's true where's the thought in this <laughs> like you know what i'm saying like she just didn't seem to that like oh i need to kill you now that seemed a, like a leap that didn't make sense in my head so as i was watching this that scene i was like why is this happening i also just don't understand like okay so even if old sandy doesn't know like doesn't fully know that the place is haunted because she doesn't sleep in that room or whatever like the fact that she acknowledges that everyone leaves and stuff and she's probably heard like the ramblings of what people are talking about when they experience these visions like why do you keep renting out the room (laughs) i feel like you're just risking more and more people having these visions and then figuring out who who did the killing yeah it it doesn't make much sense to me um and she's like, oh, a lot of people have died here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then she does the whole thing like, oh, in a way, someone did die there. It was me, the person I wanted to be. Or it was just the 
a bunch of guys you murdered too yeah like they they also died there i um i did enjoy during the climax when like thomas and mckenzie's up in the room she's locked herself in the room and like all of the ghost men are like help us yeah and, she's and then like, she's just like no no <laughs> definitely <laughs> like, not you guys are still creepy rapey yeah, 60s you guys, guys. <laughs> Like you, you are not are the good all, guys. Like, bad people. Why would I want to help you? You are not misunderstood. <laughs> like, you... yeah, that was that was a good aspect. I'm glad that she didn't just like want to, you know, help the spirits be free or anything. You like you can free us. It's like, no, you are gonna sexually assault this person. Mm-hmm. Like that does not excuse you. For... Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, uh, let's see. Um, other things to talk about. We didn't, we didn't really discuss the, the love interest. Yeah, who is I was just thinking that. <laughs> the most patient and, like, caring person you'll ever see in a movie. You know what? If my crush tried to, almost murdered somebody, I would probably <laughs> give up. I would probably say, you know what? I'm going to move on to the next one. Well, yeah. He's known her for like a matter of days. And they go on one, like one unsuccessful date. Because then it's interrupted by the, her visions. Um, and she, he's just like so willing to help in every regard. And I mean, in a way, I guess it's like a good contrast to just all the shitty men in the past because it's not just like all the men in this movie are bad or whatever but i feel like it's just such a far like like on the other side he's too willing to go through with all of this and he like he literally gets stabbed for her okay so he gets <laughs> smashed into a mirror yeah uh he stops yeah, her from sma- murdering yeah, something the, the so. girl you're interested in smashes you into a mirror <laughs> she keeps screaming at things that are not there Mm-hmm. Uh, you say you're gonna listen to her. She tells you these insane things, and you're like, "Oh yeah, no, that's how can I help? This is normal." Um, rather than being like, "We need to go to a doctor," it's like, yeah. "Let me just listen to you." Uh, get smashed in the mirror. Get stabbed. Gets mm-hmm. left to burn alive. Yes. Um, she keeps screaming like multiple, multiple times of her screaming at things that are not there, and while you're on dates. <laughs> Uh, and you are not even official. Like, for him to stay with her through all that, uh, that is husband material right there for you. That is husband material. Oh, okay, so something that I don't think is, like, developed at all, especially when we learn about the previous tenants also having these visions, is, like, it's briefly mentioned that and, like, shown that she has visions of her mom, which is... It's a weird kind of plot point. I mean, that's fine. When it was introduced, I was like, okay. But it doesn't really go anywhere. No. And her grandma mentions something about that she, she, like, has these visions. And even one of the um, synopses I read for this movie, I don't remember if it was the Wikipedia one or what, but it, it says that she has a sixth sense. But I feel like it's just, in, like, that... First of all, it's not really brought up that much, and it's not necessary because all of these other people have also, like, 
experienced similar things up in that room. My problem, that's where my problem comes in too. Make it so that room, this is, okay, I'm hesitant to rent out this room, but I need the mm-hmm. money, so I'm going to rent out this room to you. And she'd be like, well, why are you hesitant to rent out this room? Or something like that. It, like, the the fact that the experience is not, you or doesn't seem unique to her, yeah, yeah. That seems just, weird. It, it, it This experience should seem unique to her. Don't be like, oh, the tenants have left in the middle of the night for whatever reason. Well, that doesn't yeah, make it seem it, unique to her at all then. If you just took out those lines that like Diana Rigg has referring to previous tenants, like it would it would be fine. It would make that so much more would, sense. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing they added. And now it makes that sixth sense element just not necessary and almost non-existent i i kind of wish that anya taylor joy's person was not real you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. that she was actually like this characterization of this person that ellie wanted to become and then seeing that I mean, in a way she is, but like, I don't think she needed to be an actual person who is this revenge filled, I need murderer, you know, I, I don't think that was necessary. And I don't know. I think it also just turned so quickly from, Hey, this is really cool to, Hey, this stinks. Now I I don't want to go to bed anymore. Yeah. The, I think the first trailer, at least the way it was set up. I got the sense that it was like she had these visions of the past and she was becoming a lot like the person she was seeing, Sandy. But it was like Sandy was becoming aware of that and wasn't like wasn't didn't like that this was happening and it seemed like there was more of a back and forth interaction maybe and that maybe the previous spirit of Sandy was more of an active part in the whole story. And I, I don't know if that would be any better, but I think it would be more interesting, I guess. The way she's, when she's in the past, is so passive. Like, she doesn't, she can't yeah. do anything, which I guess is frustrating. Um, What was I going to say now? I, I just forgot. But, yeah, I don't, it would have been cool to just see more, more of the stuff in the past. And, and also, like, at first it's like when she goes to sleep that's when she has these visions but then all of a sudden she's just getting them in during the day and i guess it's because she broke the kind of the barrier she tried to interact in the past and that kind of caused things to come to the 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 present day but ah, that's the part of the movie that i just did not like when we had the when she just all the ghosts of the past start flooding the present day that was my least favorite part of the movie that was that third quarter of the movie that just didn't do anything yeah it's just very undefined in a lot of aspects i think is what a lot of this boils down to is that i i I mean the movie is i mean it's a it's not a short movie but it's also not a super long movie but it i just i think it just needed to explain things a bit more and it's not left ambiguous in any interesting way or anything it's just all of these elements feel just unexplained and like there's not really any like good way to interpret it either i think we i think it's some elements we just need to know how it works a little bit more than what's I d- told i wish it would have just stayed when she was sleeping 
Um, yeah. Because that, that way that she's afraid of going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way you can still have the intrigue of, you know, the the horror of adjusting to like college, you know, and figuring this out. I don't think you needed the literal horror of these 60s creepy guys invading the world to make that interesting. I thought that was, in, I thought it was more interesting before that happened. Exactly. Um, so yeah. her adjusting to this, her not being able to sleep, sleep depravity, have that come in, you know, or her life starts unwinding because of this, these like, you know, the sleeping disorder and, and have it unraveled, unraveled that way rather than her hallucinating and seeing these things and just acting like a crazy person, which I'm mm-hmm. getting really sick of. Uh, just such a tired trope of just the the cr- one crazy protagonist that nobody understands except for one person. I mean, we've just seen it a million times, and I'm yeah, so over it. Is it is tired. And, I mean, it, it always goes the same way, too. Like, even if they did that and she went and, like, seeked professional help or something, it, it would at least be an attempt at something that would answer the problems with that trope. Like, you can't but. just run after people with scissors. Like, <laughs> like if you if you did that and you realized you did that, you would need, like, go, you would go see someone. Like, you wouldn't yeah, exactly. just keep living your life, I would hope. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're going to go, if you're trying to escape your, like, apartment or your room, you why are you sitting down and having tea with your landlord? Just get your stuff and leave. <laughs> Especially if you're like, if I'm not out in 15 minutes, like, she's like, let's have some tea. I'd be like, no, I'm going to leave. Sorry. Keep the money. Where did she get the money? That's the other thing I want to know. Where'd she get like (laughs) four grand plus to have two months deposit and two months security check? That's what I want to know. Yeah, the line where she's like, if if I'm not out in 15 minutes, come get me or whatever. It, I mean... I guess I get it because she's been having these like crippling visions, but also it just feels like she knows there's a confrontation coming. She knows the climax of the movie is about to happen, so she needs some tension there. And she's like, oh, have have some tea. I'm like, well, don't drink that. And then she just <laughs> drinks it. I'm like, well, that's dumb. So, yeah, just, I don't know. Wasn't uh, the most enjoyable movie experience. What I would say is I think the better version of this movie is Promising Young Woman. So I think it covers similar ideas much more effectively. Yeah. I'm not sure I would go as far to say it's like uh, this. that's a better version of this. But I think it is it is just a better movie. <laughs> I would recommend you go watch it instead of this. Yeah. Well, in terms of men taking advantage of women and a woman taking revenge on those men idea yeah in those i guess in those themes it is similar yeah i think that's the main parallel i'm drawing from yeah i think promising young woman is more entertaining more nuanced in terms of its themes and just more relevant to today yeah because it's like the theme in this movie is 60s men are creepy like (laughs) yes they were (laughs) we know that (laughs) yes what about men today what are some things institutionally today that uh kind of reinforce some of these things that still linger from that time period and i yeah i think promising young woman does a really good job with that this movie just really isn't relevant thematically to now that's a good point because all of yeah all the creepy men in this movie are just men from the 60s so it's it's hard I guess to equate that, I mean, I mean, you still have creepy men today, but it's it's like 
diff- I mean, it's done in different ways, I guess. It's not just like, it's not usually just like outright sexism or stuff like that, like it it's, was back in the 60s. Yes, it's much it's, more subtle. And I think yeah. Promising so Young be Woman... It'd be cooler to see like the comparison like w- between the past and now, but instead we just get what creepy men looked like in the '60s. <laughs> and I mean, there's a little bit of it, just outright sexism when she gets to London. But I just think the way it's done in *Promising Young Woman* is that it points out all these subtle things in our society that are sexist. They don't appear sexist. They're not the '60s creepy guys sexist. It's mm-hmm. these subtle institutional things. And the way that it plays out in that movie is both super entertaining and super nuanced. And that's why it's one of the best movies of 2020 for me. And uh, yeah. this movie is not going to be one of my best movies of 2021. Yeah, uh, probably not. So, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to end it because I think that's my, my strongest point. So, yep. here we go. I think that's good. All right, Holden. Let's talk about the things you are doing. So, I'm going to ask you the question. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, okay, so what are a few of the things I watched this week? Um, I, I guess one of the more interesting things I watched, um, since I have my shutter-free trial right now, I watched The Columnist, which is a... Dutch movie, I think. It's a Dutch slasher movie from I believe it was released last year, um, but it stars uh, Katja Hubbers, I believe her name is. I mostly know her; she's a main character in like the second season of Westworld. Um, but it's about this woman who is a columnist for a newspaper, and it's it's like a satire on basically like online trolling and bullying and i mean i'm simplifying it a bit here but essentially the gist is that she gets bullied and harassed so much that she just ends up killing the people who are bullying her online (laughs) and so it's like a revenge like she is the slasher yeah. yeah she is the slasher um and it is very entertaining i mean i i think as a satire it works pretty well i I mean it's it's not particularly subtle and everything i I do like how it shows just i i I guess the how pointless it is i guess to like interact with those people online it's kind of it's it satirizes that too how just pointless all of that is um but in terms of a slasher movie, it's got some good kills. Um, I like the characters a lot. There's one character early on that's introduced that you think is going to be like an antagonistic force, but turns out not to be that. And I really liked his character. Um, but yeah, honestly, just a very enjoyable movie. It is, it's Dutch language, so with English subtitles. But yeah, good movie. Um, and then... What else did oh I rewatched Royal Tenenbaums, um, which I did that because I really I, I've been just hankering to see the French Dispatch, and I mentioned to you <laughs> that the French Dispatch is supposed to be released everywhere this week, but it's not. It's still not in Sioux Falls anywhere. 
So we'll see. I don't know if we'll get it at all. I might just have to wait until it's released on digital or something. But um, Royal Tenenbaums, very good. I think it is the movie where Wes Anderson hit his Wes Anderson-ist style. It might be like the most Wes Anderson movie ever. It's just <laughs> very quaint, very charming characters with very deadpan deliveries. Everything is very warm colors. It's... It is a very entertaining ensemble movie. I completely forgot that Ben Stiller was in it, but he is he he is fantastic in it. Hold on, sorry to interrupt you, but I just got yeah. an email that I have a donation. This is what it says: I have a donation for you, ten million U.S. dollars from Bill and Melinda Gate. Gate, send oh. your details: number one, name; number two, address; number three, phone age. Email b.gf932 at outlook.com so i gotta interrupt you and respond to this email with that information so i can get my 10 million dollars u.s dollars from bill, bill and, and melinda, melinda gates really gate. no not bill and melinda gate <laughs> no way uh, Jimmy, well, so, you're not even gonna need this podcast uh, yeah, sorry i'm calling it everybody <laughs> i am calling it and it, no holden i was not checking my email while you were talking <laughs> um uh, what else? Uh, rewatched Nightmare Before Christmas the other night. Emily uh, did too. She was really yeah. So I still have not seen the whole thing. Even you haven't seen the whole thing. No. What the heck? Um, it's I I love it. I mean I love it every time I watch it. It's a pretty short movie, so it's pretty easy to just decide to throw on. But the stop motion is so good, and like the designs of every character iconic. The songs are fantastic. Um, Oogie Boogie, the villain, his song is the best song. But I, I, I think I've come to the conclusion that villain songs are just so good. I, I think Brie, Be Prepared is the best song in The Lion King too. But um, what else did I want? I, I guess in terms of what I've been playing, I beat the Spyro trilogy, platinum trophied each of them. That's I thought you had easy. already done that. No, I had platinumed like I had platinumed one and gotten close to the second one. But over the last couple of weeks I just kind of went back and was playing them all and then I platinumed the second one and I hadn't I had never even played or beat the third one before, so that was the first time I did that. How many platinums do you have now? You're starting to roll over me. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, to be fair, some of them are really easy. Like when I played the Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones Telltale yeah. game, that one. But um, uh, I think that's it. Oh, I, I've been playing now that I'm done with that. I've been playing The Mummy Demastered. Oh, yes. You the, mentioned this. Yeah. I got it on the Halloween sale. It's a movie tie-in game with the really, really bad Tom Cruise Mummy movie. But it's made by WayForward, which is a good indie developer. And it's basically just a Metroid game and a quality one. It's got great music. It's very fluid to control game. It's unique enough for Metroid in, in various aspects. It's just a solid game. Way better than the movie it's based off of. But um, I think that's it. In the process of watching Steven Universe Future. Um, but I'm not done with that yet. So far, it's very good. Anyway, uh, what about you, Jimmy? For me, I have not played anything besides Beat Saber for a couple workouts. Um, I've been building a lot of Lego recently because I did. I bought the 
UCS Ultimate Collector Series Millennium Falcon, the big one. Oh, it finally yeah. came last week. I ordered it about two months ago. So I cracked wow. that puppy open this weekend, and it is massive. It's a fun build. Um, How so far are fun. you? I am. I've gotten through the through. There's 17 total like steps, okay. uh, or you know, 17 like the defined stages. There's yeah. there's like, but then you know, the first step looks like it's like the longest of all of them. That one took me like two and a half hours. So I would say I'm about. 20% of the way done and that's okay. probably built for five or six hours so it is quite a lengthy lengthy thing to do but uh, it's cool I just built the room with the the, the Jarek board which is like the chess game in Star Wars and the oh sure that iconic scene but I also built the uh, my parents surprised me for my birthday with the little Lego buildable baby Yoda thing which is looks great in person I got it right here He's showing me right now, yeah, but I'm showing you all can't uh, can't see it. But it's fun because it's the it's like actually the size of Baby Yoda, and oh, you is can it make actually? him yeah, and you can make him smile, and then you can like also make him look sad. Aww. <laughs> so it that is looks fun. It, it was not something I was ever planning on getting, but now that I have it, it's just like re- I just pick it up sometimes just because it's like I feel like I'm holding a little little Grogu. That's really cute. Yeah, it's quite adorable, and he's got the little. The little ball thing from from the Razor Crest. Yeah, and you get a little plaque too, that comes with the minifigure version, which is just so tiny and cute. And then the little Aww. UCS plaque that these Star Wars things have. But that was fun, interesting build as well. So a lot of Lego time for me lately. Uh, but um, I do want to mention. I don't think I mentioned this, but a few weeks ago, um, so I teach social studies, and one of the things I teach about is this. Let's see, the Iceman guy who was frozen in the italian alps super interesting story um but like this there's this foreign version that was a couple years old that this these people it's kind of like an indie movie they made a a version of his story and it's like they basically it's like as if it was the stone age so it's like they have these like languages of what they thought stone age people sounded like like the earliest spoken languages that they knew how to pronounce for mm-hmm. that region that's like the language they used um it is like I, i'm only like a third of the way through it and i haven't watched it and li- like it's it's like there's not a lot of talking or anything so it's weird um and is it a movie it's a movie like it's a full-fledged movie it's free on tubi um okay. the reason i want to bring it up is there is a oneer that is phenomenal in that huh. movie like there's uh this rival village kind of invades utzi this ice man's village and it the it's shot in one take or i mean it's edited to look like one take and it is incredible like it is one of the best winners i've seen and it's just this random foreign film that nobody knows about and it What's looks it called it's just called Iceman, and there's it's so donnie yen has a series of movies called Iceman. but if you look it up on tubi sometime in the first 30 minutes there is this it's beautiful like it looks great too it looks excellent um but it's just watching that oneer is is pretty spectacular um to see so i i want to see the rest of the movie at some point but i kind of quit watching it because i was like oh i want to see if this is something i show in school but it it's not it is not appropriate for 11 did to you wait so when you heard it did you mean ip ip man no there's something else with like it's called Iceman. 
No, I'm, I'm talking about the Donnie Yen movies. The, but there is an Iceman movie with too. Donnie Yen. Oh, okay. With maybe it's not Donnie Yen. Yeah, whatever. I I just I looked up Iceman and I didn't see a Donnie Yen movie, but I think I found the one. Um, was it 2017 Iceman, that it came out? Maybe it's not. Yeah, no. There. So there's. <laughs> Iceman, the time traveler, action Connie, Tani Yen. No, there is a series of movies also called Iceman. Okay. With Donnie Yen. So he has Ip Man. Oh, I and see. Iceman. Okay, I found it. It's from 2017. Yeah. Okay. I'll add um, it to my list. Yeah, I'm mean, at 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. I, again, I've only seen the first third of it, but the, I just wanted to bring up that one because it is really good and i'm like why is there something this good in this movie that just is i'm just confused by it because it looks great but they obviously must have been limited but uh yeah uh so otherwise i think that's that's all i got to say holden okay um well in that case next week is eternals so we'll, we'll see how that turns out we'll add to the discourse and we'll add to the discourse. Can't wait can't to not laugh at that IKEA line, <laughs> which I have not found funny any any time. I don't. Um, I don't remember what's coming out in two weeks. We have Red Notice in two weeks, if nothing else. Oh, okay. Then probably that. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess in that case, if you want to leave us a request, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or by emailing us at tompodcast.gmail.com or by donating to our Patreon. Um, I think that's it. Though. Yeah. Awesome, Holden. Cannot wait to talk about the Eternals. See Babylon in its full cinematic glory. Yeah. So. Yes, and the Ishtar Gate. I'll have a whole history lesson prepared for you. Oh, God, I can't wait to hear from you about the the historical accuracy of Babylon in Eternals. Uh, All right, Holden. Adios, Pantalones. Love you.